Lady, what do you do all day? Lady, how do you spend your time? Lady, got no time to be standing here gossiping, got no time to be answering. Beds need making, the dishes need washing, and then to me dusting and polishing, scrubbing and sweeping and sewing and cleaning and cooking and ironing. Are you listening? I'm a production line all by myself, only my wages are missing. It's of eight of seven and two. Leisure is just a mythology. When it's over my head, I can't go to bed. It's temper or else psychology. Mary's bed wetting and Tommy is jealous. A baby is yelling. It's driving me crazy. A nurse and a nanny until I'm a granny. But why is it nobody pays me? I care for a lovely old mother-in-law. She's 87 and cranky. Husband's home with a feverish cold. Run for the tea and the hankies, the hot water bottle, the telly, the paper, and now the kids have it. It must be contagious, and now I'm the family medical staff. But where the hell are my wages? If wives and mothers all took to their heels, you'd soon be needing an army. And paying them all their union wages, I bet it would drive you farmy. All eyes and ears, all hands and feet, my sign is Gemini. Should have been two of me, I do the work of a dozen a day. But where are the wages due to me? With wages so low, prices so high, budgeting must be meticulous. The hours I spend in looking for bargains and coconuts is really ridiculous. And though my man's doing all that he can, what he brings home isn't making his meat. And I'll have to go out for a wage myself if the family's going to keep eating. Hi, up in the morning before all the family get the grub on the table. Beds need making, the dishes need washing, it's everything done on the double. Drop the kids off at their school and run from me bus. Don't you think it's outrageous? I'd more than enough with me labor of love. Now I'm doing another for wages. Me boss is as good as a boss can be, but the office is just like a nursery. Smoothing his life, soothing his trouble, remembering his anniversary. Reminding, hurrying, scurrying, worrying into the frying pan, out of the cage in his home, from home, wherever I roam. But at least I'm getting my wages. On my way home, I shop for the dinner and then have a tidy around. Billy comes in, sits down with the papers, says, girl, don't you ever sit down? Men of the world, would you think it was strange, think it was right, think it was funny to slog every night at a job for free after slogging all day for your money? So give me my wages, give me my due, I'm opting out of the system. Give me bonuses, overtime, sick leave, and paid holidays and a pension. Then I can strike, work to rule, or go slow. Or object to conditions and hours for wages would give me the power to have a say in a world where a person who happens to be female is supposed to be happy to spend all her time as a baby minder, sock finder, bacon fryer, destroyer, floor sweeper, light sleeper, brow smoother, man, the hoover. Nappy folder, hand holder, onion chopper, mess mopper, button sewer, chew and fro, or tidy upper. What's for supper? Money stretcher, run and fetcher. Cake baker, back acre, early waker, bed maker, breakfast maker, lunch maker, tea maker, sandwich maker. Lady, what do you do all day? Lady, it's your only life. When they Hello, ask you, Government 117. What do you say? This is Joel Winkleman. As you know, you're a professor. And we're I, here hope, I hope you know that by now. I think learned, you know that by now. You've learned one thing. And tonight we're talking about Mary Wollstonecraft, Vindication of the Rights of Women. Uh, with me is Professor Heather Sullivan. You ever read Mary Wollstonecraft? I have not, no. Do you know anything about Mary Wollstonecraft? I do not, actually. She is the mother of Mary Shelley, author of Frankenstein. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's a nice little piece. Yeah. British thinker, 
late 18th century, um, early early feminist, early uh, expositor of doctrines of universal human rights. Oh, interesting. I may have seen her name in some of that human rights stuff. Sexually liberated um, and all around, you know, um, radical Radical lady. Radical woman. You know, that kind of like whalebone corset radical woman. Right, yeah. Well, you know, you're radical for your time. You go to war with the army you've got. Yeah, um, with the course so that you've got. We're just going to hash out some of the quotes from chapters one through four of the Ooh, text. That's a lot of chapters. And we'll um, come back. Yeah, there's a lot of quotes here. We'll just get through what we get through. I've got a pile for Professor Sullivan, and we'll just get through as much as we can in the time we've got. We'll do another one where we cover the latter half of the book later on. Um, so let's just get let's just get started. Should we get started here. Should I read something? Give us one. Get right, wind one up. Start this one about. We're gonna start with love here. Um, all right. So this is from page ninety-five. Yet if love be the supreme good, let women be only educated to inspire it, and let every charm be polished to intoxicate the sense. But if they be moral beings, let them have a chance to become intelligent, and let love to a man be only a part of that glowing flame of universal love, which after encircling humanity, mounts in graceful incense to God. Wild quote, right? <laughs> Picked a really wild starter. It's amazing. A wild starter. So what do you what do you see in there? What do you make of that? Um, I mean, I guess that you've just primed me to see a little bit of uh, the sexual liberation or whatever you just said okay. at the, a minute ago, right? That, you know, you're sort of starting in this, you know, with love, I guess, right? Um, well, she's anti-love in a way. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Actually, the the text really counterposes love and friendship. Oh, interesting. Are two opposing concepts. So she talks about that. There's four. I guess there's like two axes of conceptual oppositions. One axis is feeling and reason. Right. And then sure. the other axis would be love and friendship. Okay. Although, in a way, love and friendship are kind of subsets of, like, love corresponds to feeling and friendship corresponds to reason. I think you kind of right, right. see right. But, I mean, in here. a certain regard, I feel like you still have, I mean, I don't know, you also started us off with a sort of universal human rights, where yeah. you have this universal love, which seems different than the right. familial love, right? right. So that you, you have... Sexual love, romantic love, right? That's, yeah, that's that, what she's opposed to. Right. Or at least in the context of the, the two, this like to one man, presumably, right? Let women manage it. This is a good quote because it it highlights. I mean, the the end there where she wraps it around the incense to God, toward right? God or whatever. To God, so you, yeah. you you'll start to see as this text proceeds, and I don't know the early parts of the text don't have nearly as much of that Protestantism and a kind of like, I don't want to say. Puritans the wrong word because the Puritans were probably more open to sex than Mary Wollstonecraft, or at least in her in, in the way that her her book unfolds. But you see this like intense, always returning to a kind of Protestant theology. Mm, well, and I mean here, sort of what she's counterposing is actually basically sort of the like the f- the wife to the moral being. 
Right. This one right. isn't reason as the opposite. I mean, I don't. I guess it depends on how she thinks of that. But I mean, in a way, I wouldn't think of the moral being. Um, as what? I guess it is. She f- f- ends that sentence with that they have to have the chance to become intelligent. Intelligent. But it's like it's not. It, it's to be moral. And to then become that moral. Is going up to God, right? So that you have this kind of interesting. I mean, in a way, it's like. I mean, it's a much more sort of beautiful way of saying women are more than wives. Oh, absolutely. They have morals, and we should nurture their intelligence. <laughs> right? But I mean. a lot of what she bases, so this is this is a nice thing, because a lot of what she bases women's equality on is this very Protestant notion of having a soul, mm, right? Mm-hmm. That they have a soul. I mean, that's part of what's wild about the text, right, is that right. one of the arguments that is made explicitly is women have souls, right? And right. so that's like part of the rhetorical architecture of the book is this argument that 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 apparently has to be made. Right. 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 Sure. So it's a it's an interesting it's it's a wild it's a wild text. It's a wild text. Let's get let's you picked a weird one to start with, but All right. So we're going to go one. backwards here, backwards in the book to page 56. In order to maybe fulfill, I think it was a typo. In order to fulfill the duties of life and to be able to pursue with vigor the various employments which form the moral character, a master and a mistress of a family ought not to continue to love each other with passion. I mean to say that they ought not to indulge those emotions which disturb the order of society and (laughs) engross the thoughts that should be otherwise employed. (laughs) Right? Yeah, now she sounds like a prude. Yeah, well, she does sound like a prude often, which is, I I think we can read her text and forget her biography a little bit that she, you know, had this unmarried sexual relationship and had a child out of a wedlock with a very famous American. It was a, it was a very scandalous and um, infamous relationship, right? So she's not, she gives off rhetorically, I think far more of a prudish vibe than her actual life lived experience yeah and so i don't want to read too much into this prudishness for a variety of reasons but but there is something interesting going on there if we look past the prudishness well and you definitely see in here that sort of sense of right not indulging these emotions right because they disturb the order of things kind of it creates too much feeling the problem that's what i was sort of thinking is that tension that you mentioned yeah and so the problem the whole problem for Wollstonecraft is that we get we get too many passions, right? Right. And this is uh, following along what we've read so far. Wollstonecraft seems to be the first thinker that we encounter by the time we get to the late 18th century who is really saying, yes, yes, of course, human beings have passions and have reason. And yes, yes, of course, passions come first, just like Hobbes says, just like Rousseau says. But Wollstonecraft is one of the first thinkers that we've read thus far that says, but you know what? We really have to double down on reason. Like, we have to subdue the passions. Whereas whereas Rousseau, in the, first, in the second discourse, is like, the problem with civilization is that it's, 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 it's overwhelmed our natural first passions right, for, right, for right. sympathy. So civilization has, has like, polluted right, the passions. Degraded it. Wollstonecraft says, no, no, you got this all wrong. Like, we just didn't go far enough. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We just didn't go far. En- Civilization hasn't gone far enough, obviously, since you don't even think women have souls. Right. And she's like, <laughs> and I'm looking at you, Rousseau, specifically. Right. right Not well, in that particular one, but. 
Well, here the, here's where the one where she actually is engaging with Rousseau, oh, good. it looks like. Um, from page 41, it uh, looks like she's saying, Rousseau never thought of tracing the gigantic mischief up to arbitrary power. Hold on, let me read that again. Rousseau never She's a little hard to follow. Her her, yeah, her, prose, her is prose is pretty complex. It's very complicated. Very complex. Lots yeah. of If you guys write your sentences like this in your papers, terrible. Joel will <laughs> Joel terrible. will scratch them all out. Um I also notice and I've been referring to both of us, I suppose, by our first names as I call we've you moved Professor this Sullivan because you know they're not you don't Professor Sullivan. If they have you and they want to whatever. That's fine. You guys can also call me Heather. Um, I assume that you've gotten Professor Winkleman's lecture about the weirdness of calling us all professor. Or no, did you not give of these course. guys that lecture? Yes. You start calling them student. Student. No, Jill's just looking at me. He's like, read the quote. All right. Rousseau never thought of tracing the gigantic mischief up to arbitrary power up to the hereditary distinctions that clash with the mental superiority that naturally raises a man above his fellows. He did not perceive that regal power, in a few generations introduces idiots into the noble stem and holds out baits to render thousands idle and vicious. Yeah, right? So she says, Rousseau said that all civilization is corrupting in the second discourse. He thinks all civilization is corrupting. And Wollstonecraft comes back and says, no, that's not at all the case. In fact, the problem with the problem that you seem to, f- to be unable to identify was the generation of arbitrary power, mm-hmm. right? Like arbitrary and absolute power is what is the problem, not, and that's not inherent to civilization. Well, in some ways also great inequality, right? The thousands that are rendered idle and vicious. Yes, whereas, and whereas Rousseau seemed to think that inequality was inescapably part of civilization. Mm-hmm. Wollstonecraft says, I don't think so, right? And I think partly, I mean, partly it's an interesting part of her, it, it's an interesting part of her argument because it's so much related to where she is analyzing from, right? Like as a woman, right? She's saying, you can't basically tell me that inequality is inescapable. Right, right. right? That's pretty self-serving, Rousseau, to right. say that right. all of this inequality is just an inescapable part of civilization. No, not natural, but an inescapable right. Oh, right, part right, of right. civilization. And Wollstonecraft is like, I don't really think so. Like, we could make different choices, right? And, and what the real problem is this arbitrary absolute power, right? And... I mean, and also she's making a pretty explicit critique of hereditary rule. And an explicit right. critique I mean, of hereditary rule. She's not. She does say arbitrary power here, but she also talks about the hereditary distinctions and then the few generations of the idiots introduced into the noble stem, right? I mean, so right. she's basically like, yeah, fine, one of these kings might have been good, but then... So if we take her all the way back to Hobbes, she follows the line of the parliamentarians from the English Civil War that are... Uh, more opposed to the monarchy, right? So right, just right, all right. all this stuff. I'm just trying to make, just trying to draw some links here. Draw some links. Draw some links. All right. What else you got? What else you got? All right. So on page 49, she says, "But in the education of women, the cultivation of the understanding is always subordinate to the acquirement of some corporeal accomplishment. 
Even while enervated by confinement and false notion of modesty, the body is prevented from attaining that grace and beauty which released half-formed limbs, which released half-formed limbs never exhibit. What the heck does that mean? Which released half-formed limbs never exhibit. Uh, Maybe there's a comma missing? I I don't know. I mean, maybe not. She's... She's a pretty weird writer. She's a pretty weird writer. Pretty weird writer. So what are you getting out of that? I mean, it seems to me, though I'm not sure if I'm reading this correctly, especially out of context, but that, I mean, that first half that is easier to parse is that, I mean, and then knowing what we know about education, right, is that, like, women's comportment is as important as their minds in the way that they were educated during this period, right? So that, the, I mean, this is that goes back to her whalebone corset or whatever, right? right? That there's, like, so much time is spent on how to... Cross your legs the right way. Yeah, and, like, sit and how to do whatever, right? So all of those things become these really crucial... But um, it's not really developing the body, right? Right, there. I mean... They're confining and creating these like false notions of modi- modesty, so that the body isn't actually exhibiting its n- presumably natural grace and beauty, right? Right, right. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, fully agreed. Agreed. Fuck the corset. Right, right. Well, it just reminds me of when Simone was little, right? When she was like a one-year-old. Oh, yeah, with the, those pants. At the, <laughs> at the daycare center, yeah. when the teacher at the daycare center was like, you can't send her back in those those Old Navy Yeah, they were cute. Jeans. They were like, they were very adorbs, but they actually prevented her from being able to climb yeah, the and like, her body. The teacher's like, she can't really climb up the slide. And it was like three steps up that slide, mm-hmm. right? And it was like, whoa, like already. Yeah. Already as a 12-month-old baby. right. The difference between boys' clothes and girls' clothes were exhibiting those kinds of restraints on movement. Right, the confinement on grace and movement and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, exactly. Right, and that, mm-hmm. and that, and that, that women. I think that part of what she's saying here, right, is that like women are told like this is about some kind of like control of your body, but like it's not at all about control of your body. Right. If it were about control of your body, you would be like learning some athletic shit, right? right? Like that's that's control of your body. Right. Absolutely. Is, and and so they're being told that this is the control of the body. Right. And really it's it's like the confinement of the body. Right. Right. Yeah. And to say nothing of the fact that they're not getting any education for like their the understanding. Mind, right. right? Which like, she of yeah. course is always like, Oh, well, let's go to the mind. Right. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. All right, how about this from Page 70. Oh, where it's going to go on this. We're going to randomly stay on the same tip here. All right. Taught from their infancy that beauty is is woman's scepter, the mind shapes itself to the body, and roaming round its guilt cage only seeks to adorn its prison. Men have various employments and pursuit which engage their attention and give a character to to the opening mind. While women confined to one and having their thoughts constantly directed to the most insignificant part of themselves seldom extend their views beyond the triumph of the hour. I mean, that just continues what we were just talking about. Yeah, I thought you'd have a lot more to say about this. This one? No, not this one in particular, but this more generally. I mean, you have strong, you have, strong, I know you have strong, strong attitudes feelings. about this. I do. Well, I mean, I think she's, you know. 
I agree, I guess. <laughs> With what? In agreement. <laughs> With all of it? <laughs> I'm bored. I mean, yeah, I mean, we certainly, I mean, this is still, as I mean, as we just mentioned with like, you know, trying to get kids clothes where you, you see it. And I mean, you see it all the time of the sort of way in which this stuff is still, you know, I mean, I'm sure if people can get past the sort of language that is so different from how we might talk about it. I mean, you could say these same things today if you like made it into like a, I don't know. 40 character tweet or whatever, right? I mean, like, like you could you could have people that are still saying this stuff. You could find it in Teen Vogue or something, right? Which is, I mean, well, maybe not as much in that you know, women a, certainly have more employments and pursuit right. to engage their attention now, right? So right. some of this has certainly changed. Um, but the sort of part where we're still constantly directed to the most insignificant part of ourselves um, mm-hmm. is certainly still still the case right i mean like just look at any magazine basically right right um and yeah well that's kind of interesting i mean there's something interesting i think in this so why don't you why don't you grab that one right over there and read that next one yeah read that one all right from page 77 the human character has ever been formed by the employments the individual or class pursues and if the facilities are not sharpened by... Sorry, nece- fa- faculties, sorry. Oh, faculties. faculties. Okay, wait a minute. The human character has ever been formed by the employments the, invi- the individual or class pursues. And if the faculties are not sharpened by necessity, they must remain obtuse. The argument may fairly be extended to women. For seldom occupied by serious business, the pursuit of pleasure gives that insignificancy to their character, which renders the society of great so insipid. Right. The society of the great. Of the great. Of the great, so insipid. The society of the great, is she referring to, like, the sort of high society? What's she talking yes. about here? Yeah, so she's talking about how idle people, right? The rich. Uh, idle anyone, I, the idle rich or women. Okay. Right? That idle people are really boring. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like if you don't actually work to do anything, right? then you're profoundly boring. Right. And it doesn't matter, like, whether you are, like, some wealthy lord or right. some, um, like, housewife in right. a cul-de-sac. Right. Like, this is really boring company. Right. Yeah. Now, right. a couple... I mean, we all might be feeling this a little as we have not left our houses in however long, right? I mean, I mean, there's something... You're saying I'm insipid? <laughs> I'm I find you insipid. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that there's something about this, too, that is like, I mean, in this sense, I think she's talking about it in a broader way of, I mean, we could say that, sure, we're, sh- we're occupied in serious business, we're prepping our classes, and we're doing this work. Mm-hmm. But I think there is some sort of part that is also was the case to a domestic space. of women in this period where they're pr- principally confined to a domestic space so that they're not actually engaging in the public sphere. They're not actually like, I mean. Doing anything to build a world yeah, or to there, build something outside the home. Well, I mean, they're definitely building the world and that they're building that they're making the children, right? But they're not like doing anything in the public gotcha, sphere, right? Gotcha. But that like, and I mean, I feel like a little bit like that now that, I mean, you know, again, I'm 
you know, we're still doing some sort of work. This isn't the same as, you know, what she's talking about. But at the same time, maybe just because now it's we're on what week three of like we're at the end of week three of total confinement. Oh. I haven't had a in person conversation with anyone not in my household now in three weeks. Yeah, you know, and there is simultaneously like a tremendous amount of boredom has set in, but also I feel so under the gun and behind on everything else. Like I can't get everything accomplished and I'm bored at the same time. It's a very peculiar feeling. Yeah, it's totally weird. Apart from the text. Yeah, she's now, definitely not talking about that, but uh, it that is definitely, yeah, it's like you're super busy and all, everything is on hold all at once. Yeah, it's a wild, it's a wild feeling. Now, uh, one thing that I wanted to point out there is who also a century, half a century later is going to be saying, like, going to be hitting some similar notes? Well, I mean, you know, you're getting some, like, clues up here when you're talking about uh, things that a class pursues, I guess, right? Yeah, and how, how, I mean, what does she say at the beginning? The human character has ever been formed by the employments uh-huh. of the individual. Uh-huh. The work. Work. Your favorite thing. My favorite thing. I don't my know if you guys know this about. about Joel, but. My favorite thing to think about. But work it's a, is his favorite thing a, to think there's about. There's a, a, a kind of, it's, it's a not, I don't even want to go so far as to call it a proto-Marxism, right? But she's, she's basically saying here, your your role in the economy shapes your character, shapes your thoughts, right? Shapes how you view the world. And we'll just be watching out for that later in the mm-hmm. later in the semester when we come to Marx as our next text following Wollstonecraft. Just want to sort of see that that it's not something Marx pulled out of thin air, but that this was an idea that was developing and circulating before that. But I wanted to go back and think about what you were saying earlier about how, in many ways, some of this stuff still rings true, mm-hmm. while at the same time, the opportunities for women's employment outside the home seem to have exploded. Oh, definitely. Right? And so yeah. I guess I'm wondering, I'm trying to think now about what what it is, I mean, in other words, like, why does this stuff still ring true if we've sort of solved this problem of not having of having uh, so such narrow employments? If we've expanded opportunities, right? Well, because there's two things. Like in this card, I would okay. actually think that you have this card. I think seems more anachronistic. Oh, right. Do tell. I mean, well, because the women are now in the public sphere, right? Yes. Um. Yes. And I mean, in a certain regard, you could even say, though. I mean, this is. Certainly, we could say there's still glass ceilings or whatever, but I mean, that there are important women in, I mean, I don't know what we're calling sort of society of the great, but certainly in positions of high power. I mean, you have women leaders all across, not in the United States, but across the globe, right? In in Europe, in Latin America, I mean, there's like lots of women that have led countries and, you know, are in these positions of high power. So I think that you have that part that like this card women are part of the serious business but that doesn't change the fact that we're still fucking talking about women's corsets basically i mean this right. is the part where it's like you're a public figure and people are like Ooh, who made your suit like right. where you know look at that pantsuit right you know like where right i mean in that same way even like 
even so in other words, I guess let me even pause when it's you here. being no, I'm gonna finish. No, finish. I'll even finish when it's it out. being celebrated, you know, it's like everybody's gonna wear like a jacket that looks like Elizabeth Warren as she drops out, or like I think there was a whole thing of wearing like something that looked like Hillary Clinton when she was like. So the, well, what even about the like, pussy hats? Well, that too, I suppose, right? Just Though more so, I think in this other case where it was that part that's like reducing the woman to the confinement of the beauty right so it's like this person's style is like actually defining of them where we're not thinking about their serious business and their faculties and we're like thinking about their pantsuit and like what you know but i guess it seems to me like wollstonecraft is saying the reason that we focus that on women is because that's all they have right and now that's no longer all they have so why do we still focus on that well i think she was wrong in that she was incorrect in that opening employments would suddenly. Yeah. So she didn't go far enough in her analysis of. I mean, maybe if the we depth really, of if the, we really did this thing at the beginning, what did I read about the? If we were gonna, not, we're gonna let love to a man be only part of the glowing flame of universal love. I mean, I don't know exactly what she's advocating for there, but. Um, that women still remain primarily defined by their relationship to men? Is that what you're saying? I'm not sure primarily defined, but it certainly is a... It's relevant. It's a quite relevant. and I mean, and again, not... I mean, certainly sexuality has opened up much, much more broadly than it was in these times, right? I mean, women have many, many more options from staying by themselves to being involved with in any in numerous ways, right? Sure. There's like all kinds of different ways that you might do that, but that I think that the other part has... Of has yeah just stayed there's like whatever these like passions that have been talked about earlier didn't go anywhere and maybe we didn't go far enough in tamping them down or whatever she wants us to do but I don't know I don't know let's keep going a little bit All let's right. keep going let's a little see bit what we got. all right here's one from page 48 the regal homage they receive is so intoxicating that till the manners of the times are changed and formed on more reasonable principles, it may be impossible to convince them that the illegitimate power which they obtain by degrading themselves is a curse, and that mm. they must return... Oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. Keep going. And they must return to nature and equality if they wish to secure the placid satisfaction that unsophisticated affections impart. So what do you get out of that one? I have no idea. The regal homage they receive is so intoxicating. Till the manners of the times are changed. Till the manners of the time are changed. And formed on more reasonable principles. On more reasonable principles. So as long as we're more reasonable. It may be impossible to convince them that the illegitimate power which they obtain by degrading themselves is a curse. Who are we talking about? Men? Women. Women. And they must return to nature and equality. This sentence is so long. These sentences are terrible. It's just very hard to read. <laughs> if they wish to secure placid satisfaction, the unsophisticated affections impart. All right, so wait. She's saying that... that, that she, she's talking about getting the attention of men. Is that she's what this is all about? about getting the attention so the, the of regal men. homage she's talking about yes. men's attention is men's so attention intoxicating. Is so intoxicating. Which has something to do with the manners of the times, which I suppose is that you're supposed to marry. And or so and be 
polite, I guess, but I'm not sure why the manners of the times make the regal homage so intoxicating. But okay, there, but okay, so we need more reason. More reason. And be somehow convinced that like having a man pay attention to you just gives isn't them that power. Big of a, right. So right, you can't. It's because they have no brains. You can't convince them that this is actually an illegitimate power that was really what they're doing is degrading themselves, and it's a curse. Right. Right. And that the only way that you could actually get true satisfaction from the pleasures of love is to return to the state of nature and equality is she going back to a state of nature i don't think she's really i don't know i mean this is it's very must return to nature and equality i mean that sounds kind of rousseauian right we're back in the back in the what do we call it state of nature back on the savannah (laughs) like we're like hunter gatherers children are off and if they wish to secure the placid satisfaction that unsophisticated affections impart, yeah, I think these are the hunter gatherers. I think she's just taking us back to the hunter. I, I hate the hunter gatherers. I, I mean, not that I don't think she is. We, we, I don't know. It sounds a lot hunter gatherer to me. I think you're focused on the wrong part. Well, I mean, the other part is just that. I mean, especially in this point in time, the only way women got power was through their husbands. Mm-hmm. And so, and that, you know, probably required degrading themselves in many circumstances. Right, but doesn't it does isn't that doesn't it remain the case today that being pleasing to men requires what you know you might think of as degrading yourself in some ways? But I don't think that's what she's saying. I mean, she's saying that for sure, but I feel like it's more. Th- like, I feel like she's not, like, ladies, like, co-ed plays in the men. Like, I feel like it's not that message, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I could give you a 70s feminist message of that. Like, ladies, if you need one of those and you want to get, like, an old-school feminist, le- you know, like, charge to, like, mm-hmm. not be pleasing, I'm happy to, I'm happy to, you know, have coffee. Um, but I don't think that's what this is about. Like, I don't think her, I think she's... I think that she's more talking about the way in which that I I think the more important thing that this turns on is that like that you think that you're getting some kind of power, power through this but you're not. But you're not and that like whatever you think is intoxicating about these relationships isn't actually even like satisfactory. Right. Right. I mean that's which I think is like a slightly different spin than this, like you know, don't degrade yourself for your man, like which is good advice. Don't degrade yourself for your man or your woman, for that matter, or you know, whoever. But yeah, I think this is more about. I think this is, this one just seems to me to be more linked to the the sense that there's like a appearance of power, which is fake, right. Right. And so, in a sense, I mean, one of the things that I've been wanting to, to push toward I- and start asking is we've gotten a lot of quotes here, and, and I'm not really sure. I mean, that's the first one where we've gotten a really political mm-hmm. kind of concept. Right. Right. And yeah, so, starting sure. to think about where are we going to get the politics here, and thinking about that Rousseau connection and thinking about this one, 
there's a certain way that she's describing a world where, yeah, like there's not there's there's just power, right? And the problem is that men have all of it, right? And there's not there's not really like. I mean, women are being sold a bill of goods when they say they get to share the power or they access women's power. Like, that's not real power. That shit's fake. Right. But I right. think also there – I mean, the politics of saying women – or saying women deserve an education is political. Of course. And that of women course. have souls or have, like, brains or whatever. I mean, that is political. So you don't have to look too hard to find the politics. You may have to try to parse her sentences to find the politics. Well, I'm, but th- I'm talking about fo- but connecting it to larger political concepts. Well, equality, right? Equality, I mean, sure. I guess that you're right. That's, I mean, that's a big an political enormous concept. political concept. Enormous political concept. <laughs> enormous political <laughs> concept. Enormous. But yeah, power certainly, right? I mean, I think she's getting into power stuff. For sure, and I think and that, I think, and I mean, I think you get that back when we started with the like wherever we were with the earlier with the hereditary. That was the Rousseau. I mean, that was that sort of power one too, Absolutely. where it's like I think. Yes. She, I mean, she clearly thinks. And I mean, I think that is linked. Like, I mean, it seems to me this is not my area, um, Europe more generally, but like, I mean, she clearly a lot of this that sentence also seems to me to be re- related to monarchy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like. I mean, who is she? This is where I'm like, I don't feel like that her her call is like, ladies, stop wearing those skimpy outfits, right? Her call is like, you think because you can be queen that you're somebody, right? But like, you know, I feel like that there's some mm-hmm, sense of mm-hmm. like that the, what she's really talking about still is that kind of hereditary power mm-hmm. relationship. I don't think she's just talking about like the schmo washerwoman who's married to a man. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't. No, no, she's addressing very much, I think. The, arist- the aristocracy. An elite, of, an elite audience, for who sure. Who are like, you know, now that they're married to their men are going to whatever kind of teas and, you know, know right. balls or whatever they're going to. I'm going to read one here. Uh, and tell me what you think. In short, women in general, as well as the rich of both sexes, have acquired all the follies and vices of civilization and missed the useful fruit. Civilized women are therefore so weakened by false refinement that respecting morals, their condition is much below what it would be were they left in a state nearer to nature. See, she's going back. She's going Miserable back with the hunters and gatherers. Miserable indeed must be that being who, whose cultivation of mind has only tended to inflame its passions. A distinction should be made between inflaming and strengthening them. The passions thus pampered whilst the judgment is left unformed what can be expected to us ensue? Undoubtedly a mixture of madness and folly. Okay. <laughs> Did you get anything out of that one? I mean, yeah. You're having a hard time like, following this. These I, these I have a hard time. I mean, maybe it's Friday. You know, we're recording this on a Friday, guys. So it's been a long week of trying to work while trying to parent and try to get our kid to do some schoolwork and... There's a lot going on in I here. I mean, you definitely – okay, so I, I still think this is more support for my theory that she is actually – she a also has a referent that's a state of nature. State of right? nature. Right, whether or not she sets it up. And a state of nature up. that seems to be about equality as yes. well. Yes, that there's some sort of state of nature inequality that or that involves equality that's there. So, I mean, in this way – I mean, she sounds more like Rousseau to me than she does like Marx, even though I know she had that part about the work. Um 
Well, she slams Rousseau up and down in chapters wow. one and two. Maybe, just but goes, just rips into him. She rips into still him. Still like him. I mean, that's kind of an academic thing to do anyway, right? Civilized women are therefore so weakened. I mean, I feel like Rousseau would think. I mean, he thinks we are like weakened by this, like by civilization. civilization too. I mean, I I don't know. I see her as being more in line with him than maybe she wants to wants to think. But he didn't go far enough sure, to I mean, analyze that the real problem with civilization was arbitrary power, right? Right. Maybe. I mean, I have. I know we just talked about Rousseau, but. I don't understand this part about the inflaming and strengthening inflaming the passions. And stre- so it's a very, I find this very complicated and complex. In the readings, you get all kinds of different words for love. And so so love is always the bad thing, right? It's always sure. bad. Well, it's fine when you're young to feel love. But when you get older and you get married, you should, you're, you should tamp down that out. love. And you should you shouldn't feel passion for one another. You shouldn't expect your husband to be a lover. You should expect your husband really to be a friend, and that that's chore buddy maybe. She, I mean, where she goes, it's a very, it's a wild, it's a wild place, and there are a lot of there are a lot of different words that get tossed around. There's like sensibility, sensation, feeling, passion, and sometimes. The passion it could be strengthened rather than inflamed. Sometimes it's like a base sensation. I mean, there's a lot of complicated. Well, then the passions get pampered. I mean, this is like we don't want them pampered. You don't want the passions pampered. Never pamper the passions. Strengthen the passions. Oh, Never that was pampered. when they were inflamed. They were pampered. Also, they were pampered. Oh, they were. They were. They, you were fanning the flames. You were pampering. And she's got a weird. There's a lot of weird metaphors here. And what seems to me to be the central tension here is all about this, like, she seems to have this big tension about what the relationship between men and women should really be like. Absolutely. Right. That's very clear. That she does not seem quite, I mean, partly, of course, I mean, Gender roles are super rigid at this time, right? right? So she can't even imagine the possibility of like a sexual, a spectrum of sexuality, right? right? Like she can't <laughs> imagine a world where women wouldn't be with men, right? Right? Like can't imagine a world where women would be with well, women. She's, I think, that's tr- beyond the horizon. Well, I think she's actually trying to imagine a world where women aren't with men, but in a way that's almost so incomprehensible that. It's you just know. beyond the imagination, right? It's yeah. difficult to imagine what it would look like. There are chapters. We'll get to this later where she's where she's like, it's crazy to me that girls go to the bathroom together, basically. Uh-huh. Right? Like, <laughs> it's disgusting. In fact, it's, it's revolting that women have so much familiarity with one another. Right. Right. And right. so so she's got – she finds herself in, I think, this difficult position – Weird. Well, and then it's a mess because she's just been like this refinement and like it's confinement and the manners and they're like bad and then she's like, oh, don't go to the bathroom together. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, I was thinking it's more like on the one hand, she's like, you shouldn't be obsessed with your man. Right. Mm-hmm. And like you shouldn't be so fooled by all of these like by all of this attention like. You shouldn't be seduced by male attention. And at the same time, 
also seems to imagine that you should develop this like like post-sexual friendship like right. that that's what you're going for. i mean it's like it's so funny because i guess it's like i mean i keep thinking in, about people like i don't know who was it like shula Myth firestone that were like having a like radical mechanical wombs or whatever that were gonna like yeah. decouple it's in the dialectic child. of dialectic of sex you can read that in uh gov 249 <laughs> with me next fall in <laughs> fact fall you didn't get enough. <laughs> um, and if it's still virtual, you could read it with me. <laughs> Both of us next fall. Um, yeah, anyway, I don't know. But it is like that part where it's like, you know, I mean, maybe if she was born at a different time, she would have been. Absolutely. You know, like Absolutely. going for mechanical wombs and like, you know. In this way that I feel like for her, I mean, I think like the sense of love for her is so bound up with the sense of the particular kind of patriarchal relations of the time, which, I mean, of course, um, and probably elite. Like, I mean, she mm -hmm. was rich, right? I mean, I don't know. You said uh, she was. Well. Um, or she's middle class. Like, who is she? I mean, I don't. I guess I don't fully understand where she's. You know, okay, so you say she has this, like, child out of wedlock. Was she ever married? She was married uh, after she had her child out of wedlock with an American. Which is m the Frankenstein Mary Shelley. No. A no, different child. A different child. Um, she ha she married a, a, a British man named William Godwin. And okay. that's, uh, she had Mary Shelley with him. Okay. Mary okay. Godwin. And then. She married Percy Shelley. All right. And then wrote Frankenstein. And they had a kind of scandalous relationship. Who did? Mary Percy Shelley? Percy Shelley and Mary Shelley, yeah. They had a very scandalous relationship. I think they had like a very scandalous sexual relationship. Like I think they were... Could be wrong. I mean, I'm gonna say it, but I may be wrong. You'd have you to look it up. Say it. <laughs> Whatever it is, that he's gonna <laughs> say. Maybe you just shouldn't. Maybe you should refrain. Yeah. Anyway, now we're off track. Anyway, but yeah, I think that there's like the part where it's like there's no imagining of. It must just be hard for her to imagine. Well, that's really why when you think about her daughter writing Frankenstein. Right, which is like all about imagining the possibility of like artificial life. Oh right, right? yeah, 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 but yeah. That is kind so of so it's like a gen it takes it's like a, right, generation a generation before later. that's even like imaginable, right? right? Yeah. To imagine this, yeah. And she's really caught up. I mean, she's really caught up in like a fairly. I mean, where would she Orthodox have been? How was she educated? Because it's wouldn't it only question. be the rich that were educated? It's a great question. Uh, she must have been born into enough wealth in Britain to be educated, but they they left. She and her sh her mother left her father because he was that's abusive. Wild. Yeah. See, that's wild. I mean, that's fascinating, right? I mean, that's another thing that's like if you think about a child of abuse gonna be like you gotta like get rid of these passions like i mean in a certain mm -hmm, regard mm -hmm. it's not just like patriarchal like relations that this like th this particular of the time patriarchal family but also like the you know in a where you see the passions doing well, like and super damage very, right? so she 
she speaks in these ways in elsewhere in the book, and maybe we'll talk about these in the next one, where what she's really and what really animates her and what I think what I think does structure her thinking about men and sexuality and patriarchy is all of these things where men are interested in like the sexual conquest of women and ruined girls. And she's talking about this in a way that sounds a little bit like um sounds a little bit like just about like male promiscuity. Sure. But but also is probably actually about rape. Right. As well. Right. Right. As it all almost always is, right? Like male conquest sexual conquest but but we could be led into thinking that it's just about like how high school jocks like you know like they're like they're like talking about like all the all women, the ladies, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But but in actuality, what she may really be talking about right. is far less wholesome, right. right? Or I mean, not that that's wholesome. Don't no, get me no, wrong. No, no, But like, it's even like, darker yeah, yeah, and even yeah. more. And so so here's one. Here's one on this point, right? So this is fifty five, page fifty five. Nature has given woman a weaker frame than man. But to ensure her husband's affections must a wife who by the exercise of her mind and body, whilst she was discharging the duties of a daughter, wife, and mother, has allowed her constitution, and we're still going here, has allowed, this is the same sentence, we're six clauses in, I think, by now, yeah, I mean, has allowed her constitution to, to retain its natural strength and her nerves a healthy tone. Is she, I say, to condescend to use art and feign a sickly delicacy in order to secure her husband's affection? Weakness may excite tenderness and gratify the arrogant pride of man, but the lordly caresses of a protector will not gratify a noble mind that pants for and deserves to be respected. Fondness is a poor substitute for friendship. So we've gone, we've covered a shitload of ground right there. Like we've covered right. a lot of ground there. But where we started is this idea that she repeats over and over again about like the physical weakness right. relative to men. Right, and that yeah. Well, and I mean, this is like being ex- uh, uh, exacerbated. Yes, but that's not the word I'm looking for. I mean, it's being cultivated, right? I mean, exactly. that's like that's like the corsets exactly. and the like. I mean, they're like actually making the frames like they're like making your lung capacity less, and right. I mean, there's like all of these actual exactly, you know, exactly. But I think what in you in addition s- to the fact that these ladies clearly aren't like you know going to the gym and like. Right, getting strong, getting right. buff or whatever. Like, you know, they're not digging well, ditches. Well, not in the aristocracy. In right. Well, I mean, the washerwomen are, then like those kind of they're stout people that women. are doing manual labor. They might be not be the ditch diggers, or their husbands are probably doing that, but that are still doing much more. That stuff is classed too, right? Like of the, those gender distinctions are, you know, those the. Poor women certainly weren't like sitting around in corsets, like. But I like what you I like what you pointed out here, right? That Wollstonecraft is starting her analysis from an experience of, like, respectable, of of in in a, res- a quote unquote respectable family that right. is destroyed, right? By like a a, a violent. Right. Right. Yes. That, that we see all the time. Right. Right. I mean, the, this idea of like basically a, a like a middle class or upper middle class kind of family that's defined by alcoholism and abuse. Like, right. That's many families. Right. Well, right. And I mean, it's depressing. I mean, I don't know the like, you know, I mean, now when I think I mean, I can't help not 
everything I think about now is related to the fact that we're all stuck inside and all the consequences of this virus. But, I mean, you, you know, our domestic violence, local domestic violence, like shelter has been like doing all this stuff and there's been all this material because abuse is going up in these contexts. And I mean, some of that abuse, that, that abuse crosses class spectrums, right? That this is not, you know, and so that you have this moment where we're seeing, you know, in particular this, like the confinement, the like actual literal confinement is having this these bad effects, particularly on women and, and children in some households. And so where she's going with this, where so this covers so much ground, or, or does it really cover that much ground, or does it just get sort of bogged? Uh, it, it, this quote that I'm reading. Um, not this podcast. Never. This podcast isn't <laughs> never, getting bogged at all. Never bogged. <laughs> Hashtag never bogged. Uh, so basically what, I, what, what she's saying over and over again is like, you know, women end up in relationships with shitty dudes because they think that what love is supposed to look like is this thing that shitty dudes are okay at performing. And then the reality is these dudes are shitty monsters. Well, but I don't think that's actually – I don't know. I didn't read that. I mean, yes, I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree. But I think actually what she's saying is that in order to get – like, I feel, I feel like it's kind of a trap here, right? Because it's like in the social construct, you have to get this shitty man. And to get this shitty man – you have to be weak. And, like, you yes, have to perform yes. weakness to get yes. this shitty man. Yes, and, like, of course she's talking about a trap. I know, but I feel like the way that you phrased that was as though, like, I feel like that there's, like, this sense in which I feel like I want to read these just, like, slightly differently than you do, which is in this way of, like, I don't think it was, like, I can't now exactly recreate what you just said, but it's, like, I, I feel like it's more that it's, like, the women are having to perform this, like, weakness. Yes. In order to woo the shitty man, right? Which is a little different than, like... Yes. Right? And then, like, they're in a position where having crafted this, like, weakness... Yes, okay. Then now they are vulnerable to this shithead that, like, is their, you know... That can, like, perform this one kind of affection, but that, as we know from her experience, right, may actually turn out to be a... An alcoholic abuser. An alcoholic abuser, right. Yeah. But that, like, in fact, the whole structure is, like... Set up to put women in these relationships. N well, yes, but t that, like, in order for them to win, right, with uh -huh. some scare quotes in the marriage market or whatever, okay. right, okay. that they have to then be sickly and weak to, like, generate the, like, affection. And in some ways it's, like, that it it almost is, like, more of a trap than than that because it's, like if you want the kind affection of the man or whatever that I'm not holding that quote, but like when you, if you want the man to be protective, it's better for you to seem sickly and weak, but for you to right. become the sickly weak person means you're vulnerable to this person who, when he decides to not be the, you know, I don't know. It was like, seems particularly uh, dark in this way of, um, Oh, I think it's, I think that she's very, I think that it's a very dark, I think it's very dark. Later chapters, you know, she throws out this figure of the rake, right? Like this man who's just like this rakish rogue. Right. Right. Who's out there and, and who is able to quickly convince these women 
you know, that he's a good guy and then right. ruins them or marries them and, and, you know, but either way it ends badly for, right. for her. Right. And I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's absolutely where, where she's at. And what she wants is these relationships that are based on friendship rather than right. on a kind of. Sure. Well, I mean, I can get it. If like, if she thinks that love and romance is about women performing weak sickliness. Yes. Yes. Right. For I mean, so it's like it, in this way, I guess it sounds anachronistic in a certain sense. For I mean, whatever. It's like if you have any inclinations towards, I don't know what the like, what the like appropriate, I mean, like metaphor would be. But like, if you're like, whatever, I like love. I, I want to love. Like, <laughs> I love. You know, then you're gonna read this and be like, why can't we be? Yeah, you have to read love. Right? Differently why can't here. we be lovers? <laughs> or you know. Whatever is like, it's the wrong. It's like a very different kind of. She's experience. using. She's calling forth something really different when she uses the word love. Yeah, it's and places not, that on the not, bad le- side of the ledger. Right, and it's not the same thing that I think if we have positive associations with that term, and if we imagine them to be somewhat different than this particular kind of relationship, then I think that it's hard to be like, well, what are we talking about here? But I think if you think about it in this sort of in this context, then it makes sense why this is something that she's really, you know, I mean, essentially what she's doing in a, in a regard. And I mean, this is really quite radical in, in its own way, I guess, is that, I mean, in a certain regard, then it seems that friendship is is a relationship between equals, right? Whereas the yes. for her love is this relationship between the dominant protector and the sickly weak woman, right? Yes. So, you know, she's in that context. Then it, yeah. I mean, I would hope that that our students and in, in the broader world now that we actually are having more relationships that Wollstonecraft would define as you know like that are on this like vector of friendship that I are think based so. on equality and like not in the same um you know i think that yeah not to say that the other doesn't still exist in some sense but that i feel like we have also made some progress on that front since she was writing some progress. We'll talk more as uh, we read more, um, but I want to just encourage you all to to read through the anachronistic stuff, to 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 lean into that, <laughs> lean in to that Zing. puzzlement that you might be having when you encounter some of these concepts used in unfamiliar ways, and bring those to the forums. Um, and also, you know, she's tough to read, so just bear with it and hope that we've been able to make a little bit of sense out of it. And we'll be Yeah, and it's not, it's not just you if you're struggling to make sense of those sentences. Yeah, you're a, you're a liberated woman with a PhD. I'm a liberated woman with a PhD. I found it very hard to parse as I was sitting here reading these cards. All right, well, hang in there. You've got, you, you hang know, in I mean, hang in there in your gilded cages or, or not so gilded cages, wherever you are. Uh, and we'll check in with you. I love the story in your love song. Building them castles in your mind. Come down here looking for a feeling. Someday I know.
take some time 